Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to Book Club number 22. Today we are going to talk about uh, a really, really good football book that can carry over to basketball or any other sport, and that is Gridiron Genius by Michael Lombardi. Uh, and as I go through this uh, stuff, some of this is directly from the book. Some of it is paraphrased to apply for, uh, to, to basketball, but it, but it's all coaching. And, and Lombardi, uh, who's a former National Football League general manager, uh, studied under three of the most influential coaches in NFL history, Belichick, Al Davis, and Bill Walsh. Um, and so he put all this together here, and it's a really, really good and entertaining read. I buzzed through it pretty quickly and, and got a lot of really good things out of it. So um, just a lot of points here, and I'm just going to kind of bullet point through this here. Uh, culture eats strategy for lunch. And a lot of times we as coaches focus on the strategy of things. Focus on your culture. Focus how hard your kids play together. Focus how hard uh, or, or how well uh, your, your kids are bonded together. Uh, that type of thing. Uh, as a coach, he emphasizes to learn the whole game, not just offense or defense, to learn the entire program. And that is important, especially for young coaches. Um, as you go into a new situation, as you come into a new situation, whether you're an assistant coach or a new head coach, situation I'm in right now, it is important that you have immediate buy-in to your new culture and to your new system. Uh, your kids are going to look at you. They're going to analyze everything that you do, and and every big or little thing that you're doing along the way is going to have uh, some sort of consequences. Uh, but once you have their attention, once you have your players' attention, uh, the next thing that you can do, the most important thing you can do, is to do two things. You explain to them how you're going to make them better, and then the second thing is how by making them better, how we're going to win more than we have in the past and how you intend to win games in the future. Those are the three things that you're going to do. You come in with immediate vision. You come in telling your players how you're going to make them better. And then you're going to tell them uh, and you're going to show them how you believe that you're going to win more uh, and how you intend to win games in the future. Right. Uh, accountability. He talks about accountability and how that is such an ultimate sign of strength uh, and, and how ego can ultimately uh, help coaches, but it often hurts coaches. He, he says here, ego is the leading cause of unemployment in the coaching world. Rare are coaches who can admit that they're wrong. You have to have the ability to say, I screwed up. And, and I think that's a really important attribute to have is to, to be able to say, hey, you know what? I screwed up. I dropped the ball on this, whether it's something on the court, whether it's something off the court. You have to have that ability. Uh, the hardest challenge, he talks about this uh, as you build your team. The hardest challenge for team builders is character assessment. Uh, what type of, of character do does your kids have? It's easy to pick out the top 10%. It's easy to pick out the bottom 10%. It's that 80% in the middle. How are you going to figure out who has the best character? Team building is a never-ending process, according to Davis, according to Belichick, according to Walsh, and then summarized here by Lombardi in Gridiron Genius. It's a never-ending process. You have to constantly continue to rebuild your team and, and keep building that team. Great teams are all in. If you're a great team, everybody is in. You, you might not be have everybody that's completely happy with their role. In fact, that's almost impossible to have, but they're all in. 
All right. I thought that there was uh, uh, one of the more fascinating parts of the book is he talks about the seven qualities of the ideal quarterback. And for me, I look at quarterback, and I know a lot of people think the same way. The ideal quarterback, you, you correlate uh, quarterback with your point guard. And I think, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I'm going to pick out four things here that I thought were really interesting out of these seven qualities. Number one is defined winners. And when I coached college ball, I loved tough point guards who found a way to win. And uh, in high school, if you have a tough point guard who knows how to win, everything else goes by the wayside. Maybe they're not perfect. Maybe they're not great shooters. Maybe they're not the ultimate defender or whatever it may be. But it ultimately comes down to, as my friend Babe Kwasniak would say, winners win. And so you need to find winners. You need to, uh, the second thing is you need to find uh, a point guard or a quarterback that has tough skin and, and thick skin and that can overcome adversity because you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have uh, successes and you're going to have failures. Uh, and, and how do you respond to that adversity that is really, really important in your point guard? Your point guard has to have a tremendous work ethic. Um, the ball is going to be in their hands a lot. And they have to show that they've earned the trust of the team to have the ball in the hands, in their hands that much. And then the innate ability or the it factor. Do they have that feel for the game? Do they have that, that indescribable thing that we all know when we see it? With these guys, uh, for Al Davis, it was Kenny Stabler. For Bill Walsh, of course, it was Joe Montana. And then, of course, the greatest combination is Belichick and Brady. Well, Stabler, Montana, and Brady were not exactly the physical marvels that a Dan Marino or a John Elway or or, or other quarterbacks have been, even like a Michael Vick or uh, these really athletic uh, dual-threat quarterbacks. But they have that it factor. They have that ability to, to make things happen, all right? When you're putting together your scheme, I was really fascinated by this portion of the book. Lombardi talks about when you put together your scheme, uh, to disguise your schemes to have them be a lot more, uh, to be a lot less than what they really look like. Make make the, the complicated really simple, okay? So he talks about, for example, here's two examples. Uh, He talks about Belichick as a defensive coordinator, ran the 3-4 cover too, Uh, but he threw multiple looks that always, almost always came back to the 3-4 cover, too. Uh, he talks about Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs had, had three running plays and ten passing plays in his playbook. So 13 total plays, according to Lombardi. But what he did is he ran those same things out of multiple formations. He had different looks. He had different shifts that took these 13 very, very simple plays that became 130 complicated and mysterious plays. So as you're putting together your concepts and your ideas strategically and your X's and O's, whether it's on offense or defense, you're going to do the same thing over and over again, but disguise it to make it look different, but your group knows what they're doing. Um, Another important thing, especially for young coaches, if you want to teach the game, especially to young coaches, have them watch film. Uh, There's... uh, an outstanding opportunity here uh, where a lot of us are going to be at home for two, three weeks, and we're going to have wall-to-wall basketball coverage uh, with the NBA, hopefully once it comes back on July 31st. Fill up the DVR and and watch a bunch of games and really examine the game 
and, and take a look at how the adjustments are made on the fly by these professional coaches. Um, talks about uh, make, make the other team play left-handed. And everybody has different philosophies. For example, in basketball, you know, do we let their best player go off and we cover everybody else, or do we try to get the ball out of the best player's hands? You know, those type of things. Uh, sometimes, as Don Meyer would say, to guard is to not guard. Um, you have to figure that out, but you have to be willing to think outside the box, take a look, and say, okay, this kid's much more comfortable as a distributor. We're going to 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 play them straight up and take away their distribution lanes um, and force them to shoot a heck of a lot more than what we would think. Uh, think of uh, Steve Nash, where, you know, if I was playing Steve Nash, I would make Steve Nash shoot every time because he's naturally inclined to want to get everybody else involved. Or uh, back in the day, a Magic Johnson. Whereas a Kobe, maybe you're looking to trap and get the ball out of his hands and force him to, because he wants to attack. He wants to get himself going. Uh, again, you're going to have to evaluate that for yourself and your team, but it's just things to think about. Um, pepper your meetings as you're, as you're coaching, as you're coaching your teams, as you're coaching, uh, whether it's in practice or meetings or pregame or postgame. Uh, he talks about uh, what he calls gotcha questions. You know, uh, hey, uh, Abby, what does number 10 like to do for West High? Or, or Jimmy, uh, what are we gonna? What's gonna be our first play tomorrow night against West High? You know, and 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 put your players on the spot so they're mentally always engaged for with what's going on in your practices and your team meetings, so forth and so on. Um, he talks about trying to plan uh, to game plan the the competition backwards. So think of the end and what you want the end of the game to look like, and then try to build your game plan backwards from there. Um, I know. Uh, when I put together my season schedule of what I want to implement and when, I, I start with the end and I work my way backwards and I, and I count out everything from that point. Um, and, and that's the way I, I analyze my teams and, and how I implement things as I put things in for the season. Um, it's really important. We've got the technology to do this today, much more so than we were able to even five years ago. Show your team really short clips or hype videos to focus on the things that they've done correctly. Kids love the hype videos. Put together the hype videos. Boom, 30 seconds, a minute, minute, 30 seconds. You can forward it out on text or put it on your Instagram or Twitters or whatever you have for your program, right? Uh, if you win the turnover battle, you're going to win 80% of your competitions. That's, just, that's It's true for football. It's true for basketball. Um Take care of the value of the basketball, sureness, as Don Meyer and Dick Bennett would call it, sureness with the ball, but take care of the basketball. Um, he talks about missing field goals, and I, and I made this correlation. When you miss a field goal in football, especially a very makeable field goal, that's like missing a big free throw in basketball. And and you step up to the line. Gino Ariema very famously once said, uh, teams that miss layups and free throws don't want to win games. And what you need to emphasize is making those layups, making those free throws. It's the same thing as in football as missing a very makeable field goal. So, again, a correlation between the two sports. Um, you need to come into every competition with a backup plan in the back of your mind. Through your scouting, uh, you've got plan A. What's plan B? At the very least, have a plan B, and in a perfect world, have at least a plan C. Now, if you're moving on to D or E, you're probably in a whole world of hurt. But you need to have your your backup plans ready to go long before the tip of the uh, of, of the ball. 
okay? Um, to live in the past is to die in the present. And I think that's a great way of, of looking at things. And we're going to wrap up with that. To live in the past is to die in the present. Um, if we look at things, look at how much football has changed in the last five years. My goodness gracious, look how much basketball has changed in the last five years. Or the last, at, at the very least, ten years. Uh, the big, immobile, non-shooting center is no longer in the game of basketball at the professional level. And that's just going to continue to trickle down. Uh, as a as a simple example, sprawl ball and shooting the three is more prevalent than ever in the last five years, and the analytics have taken over the game. If you live in the past, you're going to die in the present. So make sure that you are aware of that and you're getting better. And and if you're listening to this podcast, and if you read this book, Gridiron Genius by Michael Lombardi, you're going to get better. You can find it on Amazon for about eleven fifty. Uh, used. It's in paperback now. I really, really encourage you to to take a look at Michael Lombardi's Gridiron Genius. It's an outstanding book for any coach in any sport. Uh, obviously, if you're listening here, you're on iTunes, you're on SoundCloud, like, rate, review, uh, forward this out to, to like-minded people. Again, it's all about helping coaches hone their craft. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Twitter handle, a pen and a napkin, like us there, subscribe, follow us, all of that type of stuff. Try to get out daily stuff. Uh, haven't been as good at it lately, but uh, you know, still want to stay on top of that. Try to get some stuff out there pretty consistently, uh, at least some, some retweets and things like that. So this has been Gridiron Genius, uh, book club number 22 by Michael Lombardi. Great read. You won't regret buying it. You won't regret getting out your highlighter and highlighting a whole bunch of stuff. Coaches, as always, pray for peace, stay safe, and be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.